uh, the term cross-training is something that you hear a lot about today. Uh, Merriam-Webster defines it as like an athlete who's training in one sport, but they, they train in another to develop muscles and skills that they wouldn't otherwise develop. It can be used to describe an employee who's trained in other jobs so that they understand the whole process of what they're doing. And of course, maybe what you're most familiar with, it can refer to athletic shoes, cross trainers, where you know one day you can slog through a swamp and then the next day you can wear them with your wedding gown. So it cross training. Uh, this week and next, uh, two weeks before Easter, we're gonna talk about cross training because Jesus did cross training, literal cross training. He knew he was going to be crucified, and in the last few weeks of his earthly life here, he, he trained his body and his mind and his spirit. And so today we're going to look at John chapter 12, and verse 1 says, six days before the Passover celebration began. That gives us the setting here. This is the last week of Jesus' earthly life, John is documenting that last week before Jesus headed to the cross. And Jesus cross-trained. He cross-trained himself, but friend, he also cross-trained his followers. That's right. Jesus told his followers that they would have to take up their cross too. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus said, If any of you want to be my disciple... You've, you'll have to deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. Jesus said, if you want to follow me here today and every day and all the way to heaven, you've got to take up your cross too. So, but what does it mean to deny yourself and take up your cross daily? There have been many times when uh, people have come to Donna and told her about some dumb thing that I did or said. And she sometimes said, well... He's just the cross I'm called to bear. We, we use that phrase, don't we, to describe some problem or some problem person in our life. But for Jesus, the cross was not some little irritating problem. Here's what it means. You know what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he was crucified. He prayed, God, if there is any way that I can carry out your will without dying on that cross, please take it away. But then what did he pray? But not my will. Thine be done. Jesus didn't want to die on a cross. But he knew it was God's will. He knew it was the only way that he could pay the penalty for your sins and mine. He knew it was the only way that we could be forgiven because the, the perfect sacrifice would be offered for sins once and for all. And friend, that's what taking up your cross means. It, it means to do what God wants rather than just what we want. To take up our cross and follow Jesus, we have to die. <laughs> we have to die to self. We have to die thinking of only about ourselves and not doing God's will and not thinking about others. And, and see, today when we use the word cross, I mean, you know, we make beautiful crosses out of, out of wood. You know, they're, 
They're decorative. They're beautiful to hang in our churches. We make crosses out of silver and gold to hang around our neck. Well, in Jesus' day, crosses were not beautiful. They were hideous. They were, they were rough timbers that would scrape the skin off its victim. They, they weren't painted beautiful colors in Jesus' day. The only color on the crosses in Jesus' day were the bloodstains that dried and turned that ugly shade of brown and black. And it wasn't just Jesus that was crucified. Historians say the Romans crucified thousands of people in Palestine. And before the Romans crucified him, the, the victims were forced to drag their own cross to the place of their execution. People knew what it meant to take up your cross. The Romans then would line the roads that people walked to work every day with the rotting corpses of people dying on those crosses to let them know what would happen to them if they defied Rome. You know, I wonder, Jesus was a carpenter. Was Jesus forced by the Romans to build crosses? Some of which may have been the ones on which his friends died. Did he make his own cross? When Jesus said, if anyone wants to be my follower, you must deny yourself and take up your cross daily. He was talking to people who knew what it meant to take up your cross. They knew literally. And Jesus asked us to take up our cross, to die to self, to die to sin. Why? Because sin destroys us. Sin destroys our family. Sin destroys our nation. Die. Cross training is hard work. But if it's done well, it brings a great reward. And dying to sin and self, it's hard. But it's the greatest thing that we can do. And in John chapter 12, we read about a, a lady named Mary who did her cross training. John chapter 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in the village of Bethany. It was the home of Lazarus. Lazarus was a man that Jesus had raised from the dead. And this wasn't, you know, just someone die who died, or a guy who died on the operating table for a few minutes. No, Lazarus had been dead for four days, already encased and mummified and placed in a tomb, and Jesus raised him from the dead. Well, verse 2 tells us that a dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. And if, if you're using a Bible, or you, get, you can even scroll back on your electronic, had raised, chapter 11 records a few weeks earlier how Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. Now here in chapter 12, Lazarus, Martha, and their sister Mary, they're throwing a party. They're throwing a party to honor Jesus. They were so grateful that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. I mean, they had to celebrate. You know, in your lifetime, you've gone to many, 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 many parties. Birthday parties, anniversary parties, graduation parties. Have you ever gone to a being raised from the dead party? 
Have you ever been invited, you know, got an invitation and said, well, you know, my, my brother or my husband was raised from the dead and we want to have a party. Would you come? Have you ever been to a raised from the dead party? You know what? If you're following Jesus, you have. If you're following Jesus, you go to a being raised from the dead party every Sunday morning. I mean, that's what this is. That's the reason we're here today. If Jesus hadn't been raised, we wouldn't be here. Christianity would be void and empty and meaningless. Cross-training. We cross-train, okay, when we go to the risen from the dead parties. That's what church is. It's what it should be. <laughs> when I was a teen, a party was meant you were going to go to this place where you could do the things you weren't supposed to do. You know, like, okay, drink underage or, you know, drugs or whatever, you know. And, and boy, you know, to hear teenagers talking about a party, they were so excited. Friend, do you know what ought to be the most exciting party of all? When we gather to celebrate that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and... He promised to raise us up too. And see, I want you to think about this because here in John chapter 12, Jesus hadn't been raised from the dead. This wasn't a party to celebrate his resurrection. It was a party to celebrate the resurrection of Lazarus. When we come to church, we celebrate Jesus' resurrection and ours if we are following him. Church should be that kind of party. Jesus died on the cross to forgive you. He walked out of that tomb to prove to you that you can be raised too. He ascended to heaven to prepare a place for you to live for eternity. Every other religion in the world follows a man that's buried in a tomb. We follow the Son of God who bursts out of the tomb. We don't worship a grave dweller. We worship a grave defeater. And, and why would anyone want to follow a religious founder who's still in the grave when we can follow the one who walked out of here to be the eternal king of heaven? Following the risen son of God. That's, that's what we do. You want to cross train? We do when we go to the risen from the dead parties to celebrate his resurrection and ours. Secondly, we cross-train when we go public with our love for Jesus. You see, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, they held this party. They threw the, the raised from the dead party. But in doing so, they risked being severely punished by the leaders of their town, the religious leaders. But that didn't matter. They had to show their love for Jesus. And, and friend, they went public. And I just want to ask you, are you afraid to go public about Jesus? Are you afraid people will think you're a little weird? I was like that as a teenager. I didn't want people to think I was weird, that I was a Jesus freak. 
sure I'm glad Mary didn't have that problem. What did she do? Verse 3. There at this party. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made of essence of nard. And she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with a fragrance. And, and again, here's this situation where what, what Mary did was, re, was radical. I mean, this, this was not done. Now, when we have parties in our day and age, yeah, it's men and women. And they interact with each other, not so. In that day, women did not eat with the men in public. And there was a party, yeah, yeah, there's the table, there's all that food, but it's just men there. The women, they had to gather someplace else. They didn't eat with each other. And Mary crashed the party, and she didn't only crash, she took center stage at Jesus' feet, and then, then she cracked open this, the seal of the jar of this expensive perfume, and, and it just immediately filled the whole place. And then she, she poured it on Jesus' feet. And, but she didn't stop there. Then she wiped his feet with her hair. Now you can imagine. It got pretty quiet. There wasn't a sound. But after a few seconds, the whispers began. What, what is Mary? She's making a fool of herself. Women don't talk to men in public, and they don't touch them, especially a rabbi. Verse 4 kind of gives us an indication of this awkward silence being broken by the whispers, by this, by this denunciation of Mary and what she was doing. Verse 4, but Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold in the money given to the poor. But John, who knew Judas's true motives, goes on. Not that Judas cared for the poor. He was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole money for himself. Even one of Jesus' own followers denounced another follower for being too devoted to Jesus. Why in the world would Mary take what was probably her life savings? Why would she pour out this bottle of perfume worth 30,000, 40,000, 50,000, 100,000, whatever, your annual income is. Why would she do that? Why would she wipe his feet, not with a towel, but her own hair? She knew she was going to be mocked, shamed, even maybe stoned. Why did she do it? Because Jesus had raised her brother from the dead. Because that day that he did, she heard Jesus say that one day she too would be raised from the dead. Why did she do it? Because she loved Jesus more than the approval of people. 
Why did she do it? Because Jesus was more important to her than anything else in her life. And that's why Jesus replied in verse 7, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will always, you will not always have me. Mary knew that giving Jesus everything she had could in no way repay all that he would give to her. Put yourself in Mary's place if you can. <laughs> what if your spouse died? What if your brother or sister that you love, what if your child died? And Jesus raised him from the dead. Would you praise him? I sure would. Would, would. would you do something to try and show him how much you loved him? My friend, Jesus promised to raise from the dead all those who follow him and it has not happened to us yet but it will in Christ Jesus and are we thankful for what Jesus has done that he died in our place for our sin that he rescued us from eternal separation from God that's the celebration that we as believers should experience every day and you see, Mary, was she, she wasn't like most people thinking about what was the least she could do for Jesus. What was the least she could do to get to heaven, okay? She gave all of herself and everything she had to Jesus. We cross-trained when we go all out for him. We cross-trained, number three, when we go out on the limb. You know, most of us want to stay spiritually uh, around the trunk you know of our spiritual life friend there's no fruit on the trunk the fruits out on the limb we cross train when we're willing to go out on the limb that day Mary, that's exactly what Mary did she took what we call around here the next step there's always a next step for us if we're following Jesus <laughs> there's today's step and you know what keeps many of us from taking the next step in telling others uh, about the Lord? We're afraid. We're, we're just afraid what others might think. But Mary loved Jesus so much she didn't care what others thought. She wouldn't let anyone stop her from telling others about Jesus. Well, verse 9 goes on, when all the people heard of Jesus' arrival. You see, if there was a party in town, uh, everybody would have heard about it and everybody probably would have been invited. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus because they knew that there was this guy that had died and was in the grave for four days and then he came back to life and that it was Jesus who did it. And so the question is, well, how did everyone in town know that Jesus was coming to Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house. It wasn't on Facebook. It wasn't on TV. How did everyone in town know that Jesus was coming to their house? Mary and Martha and Lazarus told everybody. Simple. 
Mary and, Mar and Martha and Lazarus told everyone in town. And there's the fourth thing. We cross-train. And we go invite. When we go invite everyone in our town, okay, I don't mean the 300,000 people that live right here because you don't know all 300,000, but that when you invite the people in your town and the people you intersect with every day, the people you know, the people that live on your street, the people you work with or go to school with, we cross-train. We take up our cross and follow him when we tell others. In, uh, I was in the ninth grade, first year of high school. God just started doing some really special things in, in our youth group. And uh, one day after, uh, excuse me, one night after, oh, it was, a, it was really a good meeting. And uh, the message was good, and the kids' lives were being changed and so forth. And Well, the meeting was over, and so the six of us piled into the car. The guy was taking us home, the oldest guy, the driver. And the radio was on because, hey, when you're a teenager, the radio's on, and, you know, we were listening to the tunes. And I remember Ann, who was sitting in the front seat, and she said, hey, guys, do you mind if I turn this off? She said, I want to talk about Jesus. God was working in Ann's life in just a, a beautiful way. She, she, she wasn't being super spiritual. She just loved Jesus so much. And you see, the reality is we talk about what we love the most. Jesus is going to raise his followers from the dead and take them to heaven. But until that day happens, see, it hasn't happened yet. Jesus hasn't come back for us. He hasn't raptured us. He hasn't taken out of this messed up world. Why? Because there are people in this messed up world who need the Messiah, who need the Savior. And until Jesus comes back again, we have a mission. What is that mission? Be my witnesses. Not be my witnesses of your favorite hobby or the weather or your favorite team of Jesus. When Anne said, I want to talk about Jesus, I, I just was so convicted and I asked God to forgive me of all those times I was ashamed of the Son of God who died my place. I said, God, I've been a coward. I want to be courageous. I want to talk about your son, God. Please help me. Most people would not attend a party if they weren't invited to it. Those who do, we call party crashers or whatever, okay? Most people don't attend a party they're not invited to. Have you ever thought about that in terms of church? Probably not. Because you know that, hey, we want anybody and everybody to come, okay? 
The doors are open. You don't have to be a member. You know, you don't have to be personally invited, okay? But think about that. How many people go to a place they're not invited to, especially a church? Church is where most people hear the good news and come to know Jesus. And when we invite people to church, we give them the opportunity to come and meet Jesus Christ who to raise him from the dead. And friends, you don't need a master's in theology to invite someone to, to church to hear the good news. You just simply have to want to do it for Jesus. And wouldn't it be great if we were a church who loved Jesus so much we just couldn't stop ourselves from inviting others to our raised from the dead party. Easter's coming up. I, I hope that God will just lay some people on your heart that you want to invite to a being raised from the dead party. I told you about Anne. Let me tell you the rest of the story. About a year later, she was driving, and she was hit by a driver and taken to the hospital in severe or a serious condition. People all over town were praying for her. Next morning, our family was praying. Uh, we, before we left, uh, we always read a verse or two from God's Word, and we always prayed together. While we were praying, the phone rang. It was her parents. She was dead. My sister, who was just such a close friend, just broke out, burst out in tears. It was so sad. It was so sad for her family. So sad for her friend. But I hope you'll understand this. It wasn't sad for Anne. She was with the Jesus that she loved. And I often think about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, you know, after four days of being in a grave. But where was he during those four days? Well, you know, Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So I think he was with heaven with Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? Do you think that Lazarus actually wanted to come back from heaven to earth? I don't. He lived with his two sisters. His older sister, Martha, was OCD. She was OCD about everything. She was OCD about dinner parties and the food and the preparation and, and cleaning the house and the way Lazarus didn't put the toilet paper on the roll the right way. I mean, she was just OCD. And then his other sister was Mary. She hated housework. Now, you can imagine how they got along, you know, like that. And all she wanted to do was talk about Jesus. Lazarus would be watching the Super Bowl and she'd go over and turn off the TV and say, let's talk about Jesus. I don't think he wanted to come back.
I can't wait to get to heaven and see Anne again. She was just such a joy to be around because she loved Jesus so much. There are a lot of uh, people in my high school who were impacted her. I can't wait to get to heaven and meet some of the people who were there because of Anne. That's going to be a thrill. I, I can't wait to get to heaven and meet some of the people that, uh, uh, some of these people here who were missionaries, who that they led to Christ in Ecuador, Colombia, other countries. I can't wait to get to heaven and meet some of the people that Ken and Diane Frailing have introduced to Jesus. Because they do it all the time. I'm just hoping they'll be here. Many people that are that have. How about you? On your seat are these cards. Would you pick one up? you just to write down some people that you really care about and you don't think that they know the Lord and they're not connected with a, a, a church where they're growing in their relationship with the Lord you know people like that I'm sure you, you could fill in 20 names of people like that you know I hope that you'll write down the names of three people that you really care about, that you want to invite to our raised from the dead party two weeks from today. And right now, would you take about one minute? Would you just talk to God, okay? And tell him you're afraid. Tell him it's going to be really awkward. Tell them you don't know what to say. But just tell them. Would you do that? Ask God to give you boldness. Boldness of Mary. Ask God to Speak to them ahead of time. Soften their hearts. Be real. Tell God you can't do it. But pray that the Holy Spirit in you will give you that power. Because that's what he does for people in whom he lives. Oh, Father, we need you. We need you for every breath. We need you for every burden. We need you to carry out our mission until our Savior, our risen Savior, comes back for us. 
oh, we want to help others find you. Someone told us. Someone shared with us. Someone invited us to church. Someone led us to the Lord. God taught us. We don't think we can, but we can through Christ who gives us strength. Lord, this Easter season, it presents to us a, a wonderful opportunity to tell others about our risen Savior. And we just ask that you work in powerful ways in our lives, that we would be like Mary. We would love you to the point where we're more dedicated and devoted to pleasing you and telling others about you than we are afraid of what others might think of us. Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in our place. Three days later, you raised him from the dead to prove that you had accepted his sacrifice and that whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take those cards. I picked up two more, two or three more. It says, uh, give uh, is an invitation. I'm sorry, I said pick up that card and write those names. That was on your bulletin. Forgive me for that. But take those cards. Don't leave any on the pews. Take them. Give them out. Inviting others to the being raised from the dead party. I hope that you will. If you have a burden, a special need today, uh, we have a ministry team up here. Be glad to pray with you or encourage you in any way. And uh, next week, hope you'll come back next week as we talk again about cross-training. The training that we as disciples experience through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for coming today. Let's go out and be all that God wants us to be for his glory. God bless you. You're dismissed.